The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the verses leading up to our Gospel lesson in Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives some marvelous promises to those who hear his word and keep it. He instructs his disciples in how to pray. And when he teaches them to pray, he begins by telling them to address God as their father, to ask him as a dear child asks his dear father for anything and everything he may need. An incredible invitation, otherworldly in fact, not something anyone, least of all those disciples, should ever have expected, to be able to call God their father and to speak to him as a child speaks to his father, without reservation, without hesitation, but confident and sure that their God will hear them. Jesus goes on to make some incredible promises about prayer. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. If you, earthly people, sinful people, know how to give good things to those whom you love, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things, even his own spirit, to those who ask? Some incredible promises. It's really beyond imagination, what Jesus delivers to his disciples in that moment. The power to pray, to speak to God, to open their lips and declare God's praise and to receive from him every good thing by faith. Those promises stand then in stark contrast to what begins our gospel lesson this morning. Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. There, standing in front of Jesus, was a man who could not speak, who, when he opened his lips, had nothing come out. 
The word that's used to describe muteness there usually goes along with deafness, so it's likely that he could neither speak nor hear. He couldn't hear God's word, and he couldn't pray. If he opened his lips, all that would come out are unintelligible sounds. He had no way to ask anything of God. You know how painful it is, how frustrating it is to try to have a conversation with someone where the communication is missing. Whether it's because someone's not really listening to you, just looking to see who turns and looks to the person beside them in their seats, whether it's the person who's not listening to you, or imagine this, this is the more realistic scenario for me. In my office, if I try to make a call on my cell phone, about every other word goes missing. You know how frustrating that is to try to speak to someone when there's a bad connection, when you lose every other word? That's bad enough if you kind of know what the conversation's about, if you know who this person is. It's bad enough to try to talk to them, try to make plans, try to find out how someone is doing, to try to offer any comfort, to receive comfort. It's impossible. You miss every other word and you are open to massive misunderstanding. Just imagine what kind of words could be left out and what kind of words could fill their place in a person's imagination. It's terrible to try to speak, to communicate with someone, and to have it fail. Not to be able to hear properly, and not be able to speak properly. And in fact, if you don't know the person, it's one thing if you're speaking to someone you know, and you kind of can guess what the conversation's going to be about, but imagine it's somebody you don't know at all. Imagine I'm in my office, and somebody calls me on my cell phone, I have no idea who they are, and I miss every other word. There's really no point in having the conversation at all. It's a waste of time. It's futile. Here is this man who is possessed by a demon that makes him deaf and mute. What is the point? What's the point for him even bothering, trying to communicate with anyone, much less trying to communicate with God? This demonic possession is a picture of what our natural state is as fallen, sinful human beings. Not merely lacking the physical capacity to speak and to hear, but even the spiritual capacity to hear God's word and to say anything true about him, to pray to him, to ask anything of him, to sing his praises. We cannot do it by nature because this is how the devil works. He interrupts our communication with God. You saw how it happened in the Garden of Eden. God said, you shall not eat from the fruit of this tree, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And like a dreadful game of telephone, the serpent shows up and he says, that's not what God said. For in fact, in the day that you eat of it, you won't die, but you'll become like God. He interrupts the communication, the speaking and hearing that go go on between God and his children, and he fills that space with lies, with empty words, with vain promises, so that now it's not only like dead air, like silence, but in fact something far worse than that between God and his lost children. It's lies. By nature, we are enemies of God. By nature, we belong in that category that Jesus described. Anyone who's not for me is against me, against him, because by nature, we do not believe that he is gracious and loving. By nature, we are enemies of God, because we have been guarded, kept by the devil. That's his goal, to be that strong man that Jesus described, that strong man who has a treasure, a palace that he guards carefully. That's the way the devil operates in this world. Having once won the hearts of Adam and Eve, his goal is to keep them and to keep all the hearts of humanity. 
And so he manages that by filtering God's word through lies and deceit. If you think about the frustration that you might have listening to the news or watching the media and wondering whether there's any spin, whether it's really true, just imagine the frustration that there is in being completely uncertain about what you know or what is true about God. That's how we are by nature. We're fed this steady stream of lies from the devil. Which means that by nature, contrary to what many people believe, you cannot pray to God. By nature, you are so distant from God, communication is so broken off between God and humanity that you cannot cry out to Him. You don't know who you're calling to. If you open your mouth and you call to God, apart from faith, as a tool of the devil, your words do not make it. You cannot plead to God by faith. So you're calling out and it's a jumbled mess. You have no idea who you're speaking to. You cannot declare God's praise because you don't know His glory. You might say some true things about God. He's wonderful and marvelous having created the whole world, but can you sing His praise about how He has died for you? How He sent His Son to save you from sin? You cannot by nature because the devil has interfered. He's interfered just like He interfered with this man, this poor man who was deaf and mute without hope, broken off from the world, broken off from God, unable to receive those promises that Jesus had just delivered. Call on God as Father. Ask and you will receive. He will give you good things. The man was in a hopeless state, like we all are by nature, but this is where the story gets good, because Christ has come into this world for precisely this reason. Notice how he wastes no time at all. There was a man who was mute, Jesus was casting out the demon. When the demon was gone, the man opened his mouth and spoke. End of story. That's the cure. Christ has come to open the ears of the deaf and to loose the lips of those who cannot speak. Look at how simple it is for Jesus, by the finger of God, to rescue this man from the devil. That's the great lie that the devil perpetrates. Once you've gone over to his side, once you've been captured by him and you are guarded by him as a treasure, he spins this lie that you can never be saved, that no one could ever rescue you out of his hand. But look at how simple it is for Jesus. The finger of God, the same finger of God that sent the plagues to conquer the gods of Egypt, the same finger of God that wrote the commands of God on those tablets, giving the people a picture of God's heart, of what is good and what is true. It's so simple. Jesus comes, he comes tearing into this strong man's house, and he binds him up, and he robs him of his weapons. He robs him of his lies, and he speaks the truth. He shows the truth, that God loves you, that he does not want to remain distant from you, that he does not want you to be deaf to his words, he does not want your lips to be closed against singing his praise or asking him for anything that you need, but he wants exactly the opposite. He wants to fill your ears with the truth, the truth which sets you free. And he wants to set loose your lips to ask of him, not only on your own behalf, but on behalf of everyone you love and everyone in the whole world to ask good gifts of your gracious Heavenly Father without reservation, without hesitation, but firmly believing that he wants to give you every good thing. He wants you to sing his praise day in and day out because he is praiseworthy, not merely because he is so grand and glorious somewhere out there in the heavens, but because he has come to you in mercy and in love, forgiving all of your sins. What could be more praiseworthy than that? Christ has come. He has come 
to open your ears and to loose your lips. It's exactly what he does for you in baptism, just as he did for this man. It's as simple as that. He says the word, and you can hear. He says the word, and you have his word. Now in your heart, to come out on your lips to sing his praises. Which is why, when Jesus gets to the end of the lesson, and somebody cries out from the crowd, your mother must have been a special woman. In fact, she was. Blessed are you among women. That's what the angel says. For you have received God's favor. But Jesus says, no, no. You got it all wrong. My mother Mary is not the most blessed among people, but rather those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is, those who hear the word of God and treasure it in their hearts, like Mary did. There really are two ways that you can keep God's word. The one way we often associate with following God's commandments. So to keep his word means doing what he says, doing what is good, following his law. But there's a bigger, more important way to keep God's word, kind of like the way the devil tries to keep his treasured possession. It is to keep it in your heart, to guard it and keep it safe, not to let anyone come in and snatch it away from you, not to let anything come in and distract you from it, but to hold it close to hold God's word close. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, who do not hear it once and then think they've got it, but who hold on to it tightly knowing, knowing that it is your source of life and salvation, that it is your only hope, that that is what has opened your ears and loosed your lips, and without it, you are destined only for the grave. Treasure God's word. Receive it with faith, listening to his promises, believing that his word is your life and your salvation. There's a tragedy, a grievous tragedy, in taking God's word for granted. Maybe you know what it's like. Maybe you've had this experience or you know someone who's had this experience of taking for granted a relationship that you have in this life. Someone who was close to you, but you neglected. Someone who, after they're gone, you wish you had spent more time talking to. Someone who, after they're gone, you wish you had spent more time listening to. Maybe you were distracted. Maybe there was something in the way. Maybe there was a broken heart or sorrow or grief or pain or something. But after they're gone, you know what a loss it was. That now you can't talk to them anymore. Now you can't hear them anymore. What a tragedy that is. It would be the same tragedy and far worse. For you who have heard God's word and who now have lips that are loosed to speak to him, for you to neglect it, for you to let it go, for you to forget about it and wander away. After all, the warning there that Jesus speaks about is what happens when the demon comes back and finds the house swept and put in order. What does he do? He comes back bringing seven demons more evil than the first. And the, pl- the state of that man, the last state of that man is worse And the first, what a tragedy that would be to hear God's word and not to keep it, to let it go in one ear and and out the other, not to treasure it, not to speak it, not to hold on to it as if it was our life and our salvation. That would be the tragedy, the same tragedy that Judas faced at the end of his life. It's a terrible story. It's a picture of despair. Judas, who was a disciple of Jesus, who was sent out with the disciples to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to declare the message of peace to all the poor and lost and lowly. Judas, who dined with Jesus, who sat with him at the Last Supper when Jesus gave his body and blood 
What a tragedy that Judas did not keep the word, did not hold on to it, did not treasure it in his heart, but instead Satan entered his heart and took it away. Judas had everything. He had the riches of heaven. He was no less a disciple than all the rest. He had the riches of eternity and he let it go, traded it for 30 pieces of silver. What a tragedy that is. He did not hear God's word. He did not hold on to it. And so he did not speak God's word. In fact, the words that we hear from Judas are some complaint. (laughs) When this poor woman comes up to Jesus and anoints his feet with oil, wouldn't that perfume have been better sold and the profit, the money, be given to the poor? That was what he had to say. Instead of declaring God's glory and speaking of his mercy, he didn't ask for help in time of need. He didn't ask for help in the face of temptation but he let it all go. Without God's word, without God's word, it doesn't matter how faithful you were, how close to Jesus you were. Without God's word, you will fall. It's a desperate life to be without God's word. It is hopeless. It is a life like Judas's life. Now, this is not meant to make you anxious or afraid. Because the Christian has no cause for anxiety or fear. It is simply, I'm telling you this simply to show you what a treasure you have. After all, apart from God's word, we would all be like Judas. We would all, at the end of the day, throw up our hands in despair. At the end of the day, we would be filled with regret at what we had missed, at what we had lost, at what we had given away. But you are not like that because you have God's word. He speaks it to you constantly. He gives it to you so that you can treasure it in your hearts. You possess everything because you have God's word. All of the treasures of heaven. All of the gifts that God wants to give to you. A new life, a hope, a future, the forgiveness of sins, his own spirit, his own flesh and blood. That's what Jesus gives to you by means of his word. What could be more precious than that? What could be more worth holding on to than that? Let everything else go for the sake of holding on to that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Treasure it because you do not have some sort of jumbled up communication with God. It's not like a phone call where every other word is lost. It's not like dead air. And best of all, there are no more lies between you and God. He is speaking the truth to you. He loves you. He has redeemed you. He has paid the price to have you back. He has destroyed the devil on your behalf. He cannot wait to perfect you, to sanctify you, to bring you home, to be with him for eternity. Blessed are you. Hear the word of God and keep it. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.